This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Well, good morning. The, those of you who don't know me, my name is Philip Moore. And for going on 18 years now, it's been my joy to serve as executive pastor here at the Ark. It's always a privilege to stand on this stage and to share. And it's an honor to be with you this morning. As we get started, I want to ask you a question. Who here loves waiting? <laughs> right, yeah, right? I mean, nobody even likes waiting. We, we endure waiting at its best. I mean, be it Christmas, the doctor's office, car rider line, or something as simple as a traffic light. Waiting tries our patience, and it can feel like a waste of time. It causes us to try and take matters in our own hands. And at times, if you're like me, it can bring out the less-than-best version of ourselves. But with all the stuff of life that's happening and going on around us, waiting is the last thing that we want to be doing. And we've certainly had some stuff in 2020. A global pandemic, quarantines, wildfires, floods, hurricanes, power outages, riots, financial and economic upheaval, political and racial divides, and guys... We still have three more months to go. <laughs> In the midst of all this stuff, perhaps you found yourself waiting. You're waiting for answers, provision, breakthrough, peace, healing, strength, some relief from the constant barrage of stuff that seems to be happening all around you. So I ask you this morning, how's that waiting going for you? Perhaps you would have thought by now that you would have found the answers and that there would be some kind of resolve. Yet you find yourself still believing you're still waiting. Look at James chapter 1. Here's what God's Word says to us. It says, My friends, be glad, even if you have a lot of trouble. You know that you learn to endure by having your faith tested, but you must learn to endure everything so that you will be completely mature, not lacking in anything. My main point in my talk this morning is this. We're going to unpack it over the next few minutes. But if you get nothing else this morning, please get this. Waiting matters. We don't have to simply endure waiting. We can get stronger while we wait. Sometimes... Waiting can be just as formative in our lives as the answer itself, so we need to pay attention to how we wait. The title of my talk this morning is, Watch Your Wait. That's W-A-I-T. I considered don't look overweight, but I thought that might be going a little bit too far. Earlier this year, I found myself waiting. I was needing answers. I was needing healing from the Lord in a way that I never have before in my life. And it was a difficult road, to say the least. And the stakes got really, really high in my life. I didn't always handle it perfectly, but there are some things that I learned in the process of waiting that I wanted to share with you this morning. On July 1st, I woke up not feeling well. I took my temperature and I found out that I was running a fever and this fever persisted for a few days. On July 3rd, I visited an urgent care 
And it was there that I tested positive for the virus COVID-19. They gave me a steroid shot and sent me home to let the virus, quote, run its course. I started feeling better that day. I thought I was going to be like others and quickly respond to the uh, steroids and overcome this thing. But as soon as the steroids wore off, my fever returned and my condition deteriorated. And I found myself waiting. For the next 10 days, I ran fever. Riding the roller coaster of waking up, literally drenched in my own sweat, thinking that my fever had broken, only to have it return again. More waiting. During this time, I also started developing difficulty in my breathing, and it seemed to be getting worse every day. On July 10th, sensing that something wasn't right, Ellen took me back to the urgent care. It was then that they diagnosed me with now having developed COVID pneumonia. And based on my condition, the doctor wanted me to go immediately to the hospital. But I was avoiding that option with everything inside of me. I didn't want to go and be alone away from my my wife and my kids. And I'd heard that the hospital really wasn't the place to be, that it was really only for the really serious cases. The doctor relented to my request and After another steroid shot, she sent me home with two conditions. One, that I would buy a pulse oximeter, which measures the oxygen saturation in your blood. And two, if that number went below 90, then I would go to the hospital directly. July 11th, a day that I will never forget. I started out feeling better that day. But again, as as soon as the steroid shot wore off, my condition again rapidly faded and more waiting. All that day, my pulse ox numbers were low and dangerously borderline. Still, I strongly resisted the idea of going to the hospital. Towards the evening of that day, as Ellen and I were heavily weighing out our options, should we continue to ride this out or should we bite the bullet and go? I will never forget the clarity that the Lord brought right in the middle of our conversation. Despite my feelings and my my emotions around the idea, Ellen and I knew clearly that it was time to go. We packed my bag and off we went. En route, Ellen asked me what hospital I wanted to go to. I hadn't given it much thought and I I give the Lord credit because in that moment, I, I was prompted for us to call my friend Linda. Linda's in administration at Memorial Hermann and for us to go there. Linda, my incredibly kind and make-it-happen friend, she shifted into action and it quickly showed because we were greeted at the reception to the ER and immediately taken in. There was a definite transition entering into the isolated, closed-off world of that ER. Everyone there was fully hazmatted up, head-to-toe in protective clothing, and they were extremely, extremely busy. The nurse who greeted us, she didn't miss a beat. She tucked my paperwork under her arm and led me to bed 30. But talk about incredible care. That ER team immediately sprung into action, and I was triaged in no time by two top-notch nurses. In a few minutes, the doctor came in. She was a very kind and attentive lady, but she was also no-nonsense and highly direct. It was in that moment and with the next words out of her mouth that the severity of my situation came crashing into my world. 
seeing the way that I was struggling to breathe and to talk, not mincing her words, she looked at me and she said this. She said, I'm standing here trying to figure out whether or not I need to intubate you and put you on a ventilator or put you on a proactive breathing device. Then she said the words to the effect, I don't want to see you crash. This all just went to a whole nother level in my thinking. Thankfully, she went with the breathing device option, and we'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. Finally, after stabilizing my condition around 2 a.m. the next morning, I was admitted to the critical care unit dedicated to COVID treatment. After the nurses got me settled into my room and the rush of the last several hours had subsided and I was left alone, it was in that moment that I had the sweetest connection with the Lord. He reminded me of his promise that he would always be faithful. I thought, he's got me, I'm in his hands. And I rolled over and I went to sleep. For the next several days, more waiting. I was awakened like clockwork to either have my vital signs assessed, take a breathing treatment, ingest a list of steroids and other medications, and to begin each morning with a shot in the stomach. I was not allowed out of my bed. With the 10 liters of oxygen being steadily supplied into my, into my lungs, my sole job was to breathe, and it was a job. Until you've walked that path, you never fully appreciate the value of a simple breath. And guys, I can tell you today that I love breathing, and I highly recommend it to you. <laughs> I want to pause right here and give a huge shout out to our healthcare professionals. Talk about wor tough working conditions. Every nurse or doctor who entered my room, they had to suit up head to toe with protective clothing, gloves, face shield, and a mask, sometimes two. While I was there, I never saw more than the eyes of those who were treating me. Each time they, had, they left my room, they had to discard their gowns and their gloves and then re-enter with a whole new setup every single time for every single patient. Yet these professionals overcame all of those necessary barriers with an incredible care, a compassion, and personal touch. They called Ellen regularly to keep her up to date, and they FaceTimed her sometimes to let her know about my status and my treatment. Sadly, all throughout the night and day while I was there on at least a half a dozen occasions, I would hear the sound of an alarm go off, followed by the message over the intercom that said, Code blue, code blue. I found out later that that meant someone was going into cardiac arrest. In spite of all of these challenges and these obstacles, these healthcare workers, they showed me what the front line of this pandemic looks like. And they met it head on with professionalism, bravery, and care. Here's a picture of some of the ones who cared for me. They put their lives on the line for me. They put their lives on the line for all of us. Would you please join me this morning in showing our appreciation to all of the healthcare workers in our county for their selfless service? The nights in the hospital were especially challenging. 
being alone away from my family and dealing with the sickest that I have ever been in my life. A few times, I have to tell you, fear tried to enter into that room. But I pushed back, recalling God's promises and leaning on his faithfulness. And I'd put praise and worship music on and I would go to sleep. A few days later, after showing progress, I was downgraded to a regular room, but more waiting. Now down to five liters of oxygen, I was still had the job of breathing, but now I was allowed to at least sit up in a chair and to begin to take short walks around my room. And yes, I was using a walker. I learned that answers while we wait sometimes start with tiny steps, literally. Over the next few weeks, few, few, few days, my, my condition steadily improved and my oxygen requirement was, came down to three liters and rooms were needed for more critical patients. I was finally released to go home. And I went home with an oxygen, oxygen machine, medication, and an order for home health. The nurses that day, they were very sweet to celebrate my discharge. And when they wheeled me to the entrance of that hospital, guys, I can tell you, besides our wedding day, I have never been more thankful to see my wife. On the next, for the next 14 days, though, there was more waiting. As Ellen and I were both now quarantined again to our house, and I was on the short leash of an oxygen tube. Friends and family stepped up and demonstrated incredible love during this time, dropping off meals, calling, texting, sending cards. I was deeply touched and humbled by all of it. For the next several weeks, I focused on rebuilding my strength. At first, I was taking little short walks inside of the house and graduated to the end of the driveway. Then there was a lap around the cul-de-sac and advanced to the end of the street. I wasn't ready for any races, but I was thankful to be up and mobile. Finally, the day came. Three weeks after starting oxygen treatment in the hospital, I was finally able to come off of the oxygen and to breathe on my own. That was a celebrated day. Over the next several weeks, my strength and my stamina continually improved, and it was the first of this month in September that I actually started to begin to feel back and close to 100%. This sickness was humbling. It made me keenly aware of just how precious life is. And it gave me an incredible new appreciation for the value of the people that we have in our lives. But the thing that stands out to me the most, the thing that brings me to tears just thinking about it, is just how faithful God was during this whole ordeal. I didn't deserve it, but that's who he is. He's just faithful. He was faithful to lead us to the hospital at the right time. Had I waited, the path to my recovery would have been no, no doubt been more prolonged and complicated. He was faithful to answer the prayers of people that were interceding on my behalf. Ellen, the kids, Pastor Allen and Joy, our extended family and friends. He was faithful to keep my family from getting the virus. He was faithful to provide financially. Our health insurance company stepped up out of nowhere and covered all COVID-related treatment 100%. That means that, means that over $30,000 of costs were just wiped away. When I told that to Ellen, 
her, her words to me was, nobody can tell us that God isn't faithful. And he was faithful. He was faithful to preserve my life and to fully restore my health. But guys, it didn't come overnight. Two months of my life were consumed with wrestling COVID-19 and waiting. Sometimes God does the miraculous in an instant. Other times he does the miraculous over time. And no, I don't know why. But what I do know is this. How we navigate our lives while we wait is critical. We need to watch our wait. There's a great example in the Bible of a man who received a promise from the Lord. And for way more than two months in his life, he had to wait. He too saw the Lord come through on his behalf. And although he didn't do it perfectly, there are some things that we can learn from his life, some lessons that we can take away. That man's name is Abraham. We're going to pick up his story in Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, later he would be named Abraham, leave your country, your family, and your relatives and go to the land that I will show you. I will bless you and make your descendants into a great nation. You will become famous and be a blessing to others. Look at this. Everyone on earth will be blessed because of you. Abraham was 75 years old. Note that, 75 years old. When the Lord told him to, re- to leave the city of Haran, and he obeyed and left with his wife, Sarai. She would be later named Sarah. Fast forward, three chapters in the Bible, Genesis 15. Later, they're waiting on the fulfillment of God's promise. The Lord spoke to Abram in a vision. Abram, don't be afraid. I will protect and reward you greatly. But Abram answered, Lord all-powerful, you have given me everything that I could ask for, except children. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said, look at the sky and see if you can count the stars. That's how many descendants you will have. Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord was pleased with him. More waiting. Genesis chapter 17. Abraham was 99 years old. Guys, note that, 99 years old, when the Lord appeared to him again and said, I am God all-powerful. If you obey me and always do us right, I will keep my solemn promise to you and will give you more descendants than can be counted. After more waiting, we pick up the story in Genesis 21. The Lord was good to Sarah and kept his promise. Although Abraham was very old, Sarah had a son exactly at the time God had said. Abraham named his son Isaac. Abraham was asked by God to leave his home and to settle in a new land. A land that he knew nothing about and where he knew no one. It made no sense at all, humanly speaking. However, his obedience to God came with a promise. And part of that promise was that he and his wife would have an heir. And through this heir, Abraham would become what is known as the father of many nations. Now, here's the deal. It's easy for us this morning to skim through nine chapters of the Bible recapping their lives. But the fulfillment of that promise 
took 25 years, and I'm sure it was very trying at times, and it came with some rather interesting twists and turns along the way. Here's a few things that we can note from Abraham and Sarah's story. While waiting, they didn't always respond perfectly. Abraham and Sarah are advanced in years, 75 and 65 years old, when they receive the news that they're going to have a child. And they found it hard to believe. The Bible says that Sarah actually laughed at the idea. Now, I'm only in my 50s. But if I got that kind of news, I think I would have a hard time with it too. And I don't know that I would laugh. When things didn't go according to their plans or their timing, they tried to take matters in their own hands. Abraham had the idea that his steward, Eleazar, would become his heir. Sarah thought that the answer would come through her servant, Hagar. Yet God, he had other plans. He had his plans. And in the end, Abraham and Sarah, they took God at his word. Ultimately, they trusted in his character, who they knew him to be. And when Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah 90, after 25 years of waiting, they received their precious gift of Isaac. Today, Abraham is known as the father of faith. His faith and his trust in God saw him through those years of waiting. But what about us? How can we more effectively watch our wait? Sometimes, I don't know about you guys, but we can underestimate the power of these stories in the Bible because in our minds, we elevate these people to some superhuman status. Their stories can seem far removed from our everyday lives, almost unreal and fairy tale like But these were real human people with real issues needing real answers to the stuff of life. So what can we learn from them? And how can we apply it to our lives? Number one, while we're waiting, we need to watch who and what has voice in our life. When Abraham listened to the wrong advice, rather than trusting what God had said to him, that only got him into trouble. While I was waiting, I got to practice. I got to practice guarding the input into my life. And when I didn't guard that and I didn't limit TV, especially the, the negative news about the virus, that only made me weaker. But what made me stronger was when I, I fed on praise and worship music, first thing in the morning and late at night. And I selectively found encouragement from others. I was careful to surround myself with people that would speak life, hope, and faith. And can I pause right here? That's why coming to church is so important. These services, they feed our souls, but we surround ourselves also with people of faith who will speak life and hope and encouragement, who've been through, through some stuff and will help us as we walk through some stuff. The second thing that we can do while we're waiting is to hold on to his word. What kept Abraham on track was his going back to his standing and his trusting in God's word to him. I had two words from the Lord early on in my sickness that I went back to often. One of them was victory. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is a scripture that Pastor Allen shared with Ellen and I. It says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. Take you back to that emergency room. And they put that proactive breathing device on me. That was a very polite way of putting it. This thing was extremely tight. It went around the back of my head and attached to my forehead. And then it covered my nose and my mouth with a suction airtight-like seal. It forced me to breathe. It was highly proactive. What you need to know about me is I am extremely claustrophobic. And this device was like torture to me. Everything inside of me wanted to rip it off. But I remembered the word the Lord had given me. And in that moment, when I'm sitting here claustrophobic, it hit me. This is what victory looks like. And I was able to keep that device on for what felt like an eternity. It wasn't. And I received the treatment that I needed. I learned that a word from the Lord brings peace, comfort, hope, and encouragement while we wait. Number three, while we wait, we need to remember that gratitude will carry our attitude. Abraham's first response when God made him the promise of land to his descendants was to build an altar to the Lord as an act of worship and gratitude. And he did this before it came to pass. Upon leaving the hospital, the doctor told me that with a sickness of this magnitude, my body was going to take a while to heal. Reflecting later on that diagnosis, I told the Lord this. I said, I am going to stay thankful during this time. I'm not going to get impatient. I'm not going to get discouraged or depressed. I'm going to stay thankful for where I am in the process. And trust me. Over the next several weeks, I had plenty of opportunity for that prayer to be tested. My body wasn't functioning as normal. It was very easily, I, I got tired and I got winded. I was taking two and three naps a day. My mind wasn't sharp at all. It was like I was walking around in a fog. Recovery was very hard and it seemed to be going painfully slow. But while I waited... I was learning to practice this truth. I was learning to practice gratitude. And I would say sometimes out loud, I am strong in the Lord. My body is strong. My mind is strong. My spirit is strong. And I am getting stronger every day. I am thankful. The reality was, compared to where I had been, I had tons to be thankful for. I just needed to remember and to practice this truth. I learned that thankfulness is a great antidote to fear and doubt in our lives. And number four, while we wait, we need to trust who he is. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the hall of faith. And it has listed there both Abraham and Sarah. And it says of them, they considered him faithful who had given the promise. The other word that I had during this time was faithful, God's faithfulness. Hebrews chapter 13, it says, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? God's faithfulness says that he has he is, and he will continue to help you and me. It means that he is who he says he is, and he'll do 
what he says he'll do. It means that while you and I wait, we can trust him. We can trust him to be at work in us while he's bringing about the answer. And in that process, we can be asking ourselves questions like, what do I need to learn? How can I stretch and how can I grow? And God's faithfulness means that while we wait, we can get stronger. We just need to watch our wait. Justin and the worship team are coming to sing a song that clearly speaks to God's faithfulness in our lives while we wait. And I want to encourage you this morning to listen with your heart and to make application. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you were faithful then. God, you will be faithful now. God, you do move mountains. You make giants fall and prison walls to shake. And Father, I am so thankful this morning that our stuff is never too big for you. Father, teach us to trust you more while we're waiting. Standing on your word, keeping our eyes, our hearts, and our words focused on you. Father, thank you that you never fail and you never will. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, the best decision that you can make in your life is to invite Christ into your life and enter into a life-giving, life-changing relationship with him. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life. You've never said yes to him. Or perhaps you said yes in the past and for whatever reason you've gotten away from him. Today, you can renew that relationship. If you've never said yes to Christ or you need to come back to him today, we're gonna say a prayer. We're not gonna embarrass you or call you out and embarrass you in any way, but if you want in on that prayer, if you're here today saying, I want to invite Christ into my life. I wanna give God a chance. If that's you this morning, then just simply raise your hand and say, Philip, include me in that prayer. Yes. Yes. Yep. Amen. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray this prayer together. Pray this out, out loud, church family. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. And I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.